podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Celtic Exchange, a fresh insight on Celtic Football Club. This is the Celtic Exchange Weekly, this is Tino, and this week I'm joined by James and Miff as we cover all things Celtic. At the weekend, we witnessed another low-key performance from the boys as we played out the third of our post-split fixtures with a 2-2 draw against St Mirren. As fans, we want to see the team win every time they take to the field, but with the league title already secured for another season, does it really matter? So Miff, does it? Hello Tino, hello James, hello listeners and viewers, yes it does. <laughs> uh, I think it matters in the sense that when you're there and you go and watch them and you're not feeling inspired or, you know, it's a bit turgid. Football's all about what, what's happening just now. The league's, the league's won and we move on and you want to see the team entertain you. So from, from that point of view, it does matter, but ultimately, no, it doesn't because it's not going to affect anything to do with the league. And like we discussed in the post-match, you feel the players are saving a wee bit for the, the, the game, the remaining game that matters, and that is the cup final. What about your moment of the week? My moment of the week, um, due to lack of on-field moments, I've went for Ange and his heavyweight boxer quote, which I thoroughly enjoyed. Thoroughly enjoyed. And that's coming up soon, so we'll keep that on ice for now, Matt, right, okay, and okay. we'll be playing it just shortly in the show. James, where do you stand on these um, slightly below par post-title one, pre-Scottish Cup final type performances that we're putting in? It's human nature, you know? They've played a lot of football, a lot of intense football, and a lot of pressure and every time they've been under pressure they've delivered every single time and you've got to kind of take that into context I think it's a little disappointing because Angie's maybe experimented a wee bit and saying well what happens if we play that guy there so it'll at the back in the back four and stuff you can't really judge anything from that because the support and performance around it doesn't allow you to see how that would operate in a, in a proper game that's disappointing because there's opportunities to find things out there but like I say it's completely you know, natural human nature and this is World football. This isn't Scotland, Celtic. This is across world football. I think you referenced Monza last week um, against Napoli. So, no problem. They do now need to have enjoyed their fallow rest and they can then get back up to speed for the Scottish Cup. I agreed. They've had a couple of days off or a couple right. of match days off. And I think with the week ahead, so we've got uh, Hibs at Easter Road on Wednesday, Aberdeen Trophy Day on Saturday at Celtic Park. Time to ramp it back up though, isn't it? I think so. I think that'll happen. Yeah. What's been your own Celtic moment of the week? Yesterday, so obviously it didn't quite work out in terms of the women's team were going for the league and they were you know, counted out about even just four or five weeks ago and they've had a great run to get right back into contention. They've got themselves Champions League but didn't quite get there with Glasgow City scoring uh, in the last minute at Ibrooks. Around that is the, the level of support that, that football's getting. You know, 15,000 at Parkhead yesterday. Um, the Celtic end full, all the razzmatazz of all that stuff. So great for, for the team to be enjoying that. And I think they're starting to adjust to it as well, you know. So, yeah, just another great aspect of Celtic to be following. Yeah, I think the women's team broke the record for an attendance about 10 days ago mm. when they get 9,000 9, in. Yep. Uh, Rangers also had 10,000 at their game against Glasgow City yesterday, the game they, they lay down to. Uh, oh, I'm <laughs> And Celtic, though, uh, again, up the stakes and had 15,000 there, as you say. So, brilliant to see and great to see the progress in the game. Okay, let's take a look at what's coming up in this week's show. In this week's big topic, and following those drop points in recent games, we'll look at Ange's call for the players to refocus over the next two games before they even think about a Scottish Cup final. I'll then be taking on the lads once again in this week's Mystery Celt, where last week I pulled one back, Miff, as we approach the business end of the season. And finally, we'll close out the show with This Week in Celtic Media, where we once again dig out something that we think you'll enjoy from the world of Celtic Online. 
Okay, let's get started by looking at Angie's response to the draw with St Mirren on Saturday. Of course, it's disappointing not to have won, but as James says, there's a bigger picture to be looked at here. And Ange painted that very picture very well with his comments after the game. Yeah, look, um, you know, there's no doubt. You know, the lads always find a way, and, and you know, Cal, you know, is, is the leader of that. But he's part of it as well. Yeah, it's his responsibility. It's all of us collectively. There's no hiding from it. Starts with me, and uh, and then the group. But again, like this is, you know, these guys are champions. They've won the title. Yeah, I just said before that you know when. When the heavyweight champion of the world lifts the the belt, it, it doesn't have to have won all every round. If it's the quote you mentioned, so there's a, a no excuses culture at Celtic under Ange, and as you heard there, he takes ultimate responsibility, and then that responsibility passes to Callum McGregor and the players. But his analogy is spot on, isn't it? I think so. I think it was just a wee reminder, especially for me. You come away disappointed for the game, but the, the reality check is the, the team are already champions. The, the absolute bread and butter for this team is to be the champions of Scotland and they've done that in each season and just been manager and they've gained entry to the Champions League which is very crucial not only for the profile of the club but I'd say I would argue to keep Ange happy and also to attract the type of player that we're going to need to improve the squad so in that sense it's job done but they're still no getting away from the fact and, and knowing Ange as we know him he'll be, he'll be disappointed with the fact that there's there's been a few flat spots in f- performances but don't think it's anything we need to go too overboard on. Yeah, I'd agree with that. James, if Celtic going to lift the Scottish Cup next month and beyond that, if we then improve again next season, maybe make that progress in Europe that we're all crying out for, nobody even remembers these wee blips, do they? I, t- I don't think you remember them by this time next week. I, I, I really just... This is paper stuff. and you know, I know there's some Celtic fans as Podcast well. Podcast stuff. Podcast stuff, aye. <laughs> there's Celtic fans as well up in arms about it all and all these things but that's the immediacy of coming out, coming out of any football game you know that, that looked like an accusing finger pointing yeah. me that's pointing at you yeah. you've not listened to the post-match this man's very yes, I have. Um, reflective yes, about yes, it I have I always listen to the post-match a bit, a bit of self-criticism <clears throat> at myself for being angry at it I feel mm-hmm. yeah so I just think Miff's a balanced guy the immediacy of it after the game you get a wee bit oh, you know because we're, we're out to win every game and that's you know we're spoiled you've got to bear that in mind as well is that you know what, Ange has been here you know, less than two years and delivered for us in, in those two years and we've become used to that as we've become used to it you know, over the years as well but nah, he's peace My fizz, as James says it's human nature to subconsciously somewhere switch off and it's also there, there's a part of it that some players might be looking to protect themselves ahead of a cup final you know, you've got to take that into consideration and do you smash into the 50-50 with the same gusto? Ferv and gusto Aplomb <laughs> you know it, it's not the kind of thing you would do with it you know the cup final is now less than two weeks out you've done all your hard work you've lifted the title the, the thing that Andrew will be annoyed about and you heard some annoyance in his comments and you certainly heard annoyance in Callum McGregor post-match as well they've set such a high standard and yes it's human nature to kind of fall a wee bit below doesn't mean it's okay doesn't mean it's acceptable and Ange sets standards for a reason and he will be disappointed to have dropped below them I, I think so I think so it, it just Ange, by his very nature, is relentless, and that's the word I think we've always used when the team have been on a run, is that they are relentless. To me, it's just no coincidence that when the business has been done, the team's slackened off a bit. I think they've earned the right. I think you also need to look at the toll it takes on the team, the players mentally as well as physically, to be at it as often as they are. And when you take a step back for the performance on Saturday, like I've done, and you analyse the season, they've, they've... done what had to be done so it's understandable because of the what comes with that the intensity that's asked of them every game 
when you're playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday or Sunday, Wednesday, whatever it might be. They've they've done that when they've had to, when they've really, really had to, they've stood up to that. You can forgive them for a few weeks or maybe just not being quite quite at those same levels. Rather it now than in the heat of the battle. I think there's, there's maybe a fear among some fans that this is an end of season pattern and as such to get caught short in uh, the cup final. So as long as we pick it back up Wednesday night, finish strong on Saturday, which will be a tough game, Aberdeen pushing for Europe. But if we finish those two games well and everyone's right up for the cup, then it's, it's not a problem. There's huge physical demands on any Celtic player. You know, it's a long old season. We're fortunate in the, this season and, and all going well next as well now that we don't have qualifiers. You know, that adds about six games on at the start of your season, which you could do without because they're in June or what, late June or whatever it happens to be. But it's still a 50 plus game season. So there is huge physic, physical demands on the players and, and you know that must take its toll. But to lean towards what Muff was saying as well, James, it's it's the the mental fatigue that must kick in because, yes, it's fallen short the last couple of games, but this we-never-stop mentality, it must put such demands on the players and, and their headspace and, and their focus. And it's hard to keep that up relentlessly, particularly when you know you've got a wee bit of a comfort zone right now, you know, we're experiencing it right now, to just take your foot off the gas a wee bit. 100% and it's not just you know you say Sunday, Wednesday, Sunday absolutely that's that's the, the physical turn up and do the job but see between Sunday and Wednesday and Wednesday and Sunday all those guys are thinking I've got to stay on my game I've got to perform well in training I've got to keep my head right it's non-stop for these guys so when you've got you know a, a genuine free free time you know, where it doesn't matter you can take a bit you can take that wee bit of you know, time to yourself time to relax it's not great for fans I understand that but if they can use that time to relax their heads and then get right back to it for the cup final, it's all fine. Yeah. Miff, you'll have heard various players saying that the intensity in training is almost more than what demands in the games. You know, it's that's the toughest part of being at Celtic. So I don't know how many days off they get during the week. Maybe one at a push, you know, mm. that aside. So you're up at Lennox Town day in, day out, putting yourself through that. And yeah, as I say, it's, it's maybe just understandable. Yeah, th- listen, on the day you're disappointed, you just want to see your team win. The context of the season being over, I don't think MD truly turns up there and goes, I don't care if we beat the day, I don't care if we draw today because the league's won. I think you turn up there and you're expectant. When you don't win, you're maybe initially quite nonplussed, to say the least. But then when you analyse it and you look at all the things that we've just discussed, it is completely understandable that there would be a drop-off. Celtic fans are not n- notoriously known for their patience, I think it would be fair to say. There was, there was a few you know, mumbles and, and groans. It wasn't a great watch at times on, on Saturday. I think had the performance been slightly better and the scoreline been the same, I don't think we would be as critical or would have been as critical. I just think it was just all a bit flat. The main thing being that the connection of the wide players, both full-back and winger, just didn't seem to be didn't seem to be happening at all. They were kind of trying to force that ball inside the full-back quite a lot of the time and yeah, for, for whatever reason, it just wasn't working. But if there is any team in the land, <clears throat> excuse me, any team in the land that has earned a slight drop-off over a few games, it is a Celtic team. Agreed. Um, but listen, after games, social media can be a noisy place and, and not always the best barometer of you know of, of rational judgment and all that kind of stuff. But you got on a supporters bus, right? So when you got back on the bus with the boys on Saturday after the game, just as a, just to kind of, Gauge the opinion there. What what was the mood in the camp? You were chatting to the guys around you. What was the general tone? Just a bit me, bit flat. Bit what, me. What was that? Uh, like? You know, that me, me. Um, um, just flat across the board. I, I think the feeling was a lot. I was probably thrown under 
the bus a wee bit. Not my supporters' bus, just proverbial speaking. Um, so, you know, there was maybe a wee bit of that. And, and But then, what I go back to is the minute Ange announced Cameron Carter-Vickers was going to stop playing and get his surgery, that, that tells you everything you need to know, in my opinion, around how he viewed the importance of the rest of the season or the requirement for the rest of the season. Vickers being fit for the start of next season is the most important thing for, for Celtic. And now we're seeing why. It's been pretty carefully managed and I suppose that leads us nicely onto the, the next kind of section here. So Ange's main concerns, James, from his comments, uh, they seem to be more on the defensive side of the game. And let's hear just a wee bit more from him on that just now. We didn't really sort of control the game as well as you know we usually do, mainly because you know we just didn't sort of work as hard on the defensive side of our game. It's fair to say the last couple of weeks we've gone off that a little bit and uh, that, that doesn't allow us then to sort of you know, be relentless in the way we play and you know, allows the opportunity for the opposition to sort of you know, get up the park. James, we know that Ange values the defensive side of the game and that's what gives the, the forward-thinking players the platform to go on and, and do what they do. But it's a little wonder that that side of the game just isn't quite as sharp and, and as focused just now given that you know, guys like Ralston, Kobayashi, Bernabe, Awata, they haven't been featuring regularly and now we're throwing them in and saying, go do your thing. I think it's broader than that. I think when Ange talks about the defensive side of the games, he's not, he's not talking about the back four. He's talking about everyone, you know, in the whole team. Yeah. And we spoke about it last week when the ball's coming right back to uh, Burnaby because Maeda's not there. And I think on Saturday against St Mirren, he wasn't really performing. So it's not just about that back four. Yes, I think that's a part of it. You've got guys trying to knit a back four together that haven't been playing together the whole season, like the solid back four that we had, the steady back four. But it's Hatati, it's Maeda, it's all of them. And that, that's really where Ange is going there. We know, Muff, just to follow on from that, is that defending starts for the front for Ange, but you wouldn't think that anyone's working less hard. Maybe they're slightly less focused, but you wouldn't accuse them of not quite working as hard as they usually do, would you? Well, I think there's a <clears throat> there's a structure, excuse me, to the team, and we spoke about it again on the, on the post-match, and I know something James has previously referenced around the, the distances between defence, attack, midfield. In, in between and, and it felt like that was a bit off but you wouldn't expect Awata for example in his first game at centre half for us to be dominating that and you know being able to command the rest of the team round about him um, you know the goal comes for the fact that there's a lack of communication between him and, and, and Ralston to start with just on the, on the point of, of Ralston I think the, the drop off from Ralston to Johnson is, is much more noticeable than maybe it was with, with Ralston and, and Juranovic I, I think it is but um, in context you know there's um, different people there they were protecting Johnson, they are yeah. protecting Ralston. Yeah, so there, there's, there's there's different things that offer a reason as to why it's not as cohesive. James is right. When Ange references defending, he's not just speaking about the defence, it's to do with the midfield, it's to do with the attackers as well. And for whatever reason, it was just, you know, most things on Saturday were just a bit off. Yeah. I'm talking about I'm talking about distances between defence, attack, midfield for Celtic. I've got all my distances rang the night with this microphone because that's twice my chin's whacked. Mm -hmm. Twice. I'm not happy. That's a you problem, if let's crack on. Um, what do you make of, of Ange's snub, and if, if we're calling it a snub, to Kobe Ashe and to Burnaby? They both start at Ibrox and then they're both sub not used on Saturday. That's that's quite the climb down. Burnaby, I, I mean, I, I, he's just not a left back. That's where I've landed on that. So if we keep playing him at left back and he doesn't perform, I'm at the point now where I don't blame the player. So it is, yeah. I don't yeah. blame the player. He's not a left back. We may have signed him as such. We may have thought we can convert him to one, but clearly, it's it's not happening. That's my opinion. Kobe Ashi, I think, is very very harsh. 
I've not seen anything in Kobayashi that would say to me that he's a complete lost cause. You know, he had, a, he had an indifferent game at Ibrox, but it wasn't the one that would suggest to me jets him back out. I, I think he just needs continual games. And, and if he is going to get out muscled by, you know, John Suter or whoever else, well, the, the very obvious solution to that is, you know, what's required next time. You know, you need to be tougher. You know, you need to be stronger. He's a big lad. I think he's capable of producing that, but we, we need to just keep giving him games. Um <clears throat> Unless there's been something a wee bit more underlying there that he's maybe had a niggle or, or, or whatever. But I, I thought it was pretty harsh. I would have rather kept him there. And I, and I wouldn't absolve Starfield either. You know, you would be expecting Starfield then to, to step up and, and play, you know, be the commanding centre-half and, and be the more senior partner in the, in the centre-half partnership. Again, I understand that he's had further disruption with, with a lot of playing, but, um, you know, I, I, I didn't think he covered himself in glory either on Saturday. I think the Kobayashi decision, James, was really harsh. It wasn't like his performance was doo against Clyde. You just thought, we've, we've made a real mistake here. We need to fix that sharp. Kobayashi's a, a, a quality player, and I think he'll go into better things at Celtic, but confidence-wise, I don't know. I'd like to question Andrew, right? so, let's, so let's do so. What does that do for his confidence, James, given that you know we know that Carter Vickers is out, and it just seemed to be assuring that he was going to get this run between now and the end of the season, including the cup final, and now he's just been jettisoned. And I don't know when he gets back in. Listen, it might be Wednesday and there's nothing to see here, but there's a chance that's him back in the periphery. Yeah, I know we're a podcast and that's your job to kind of speculate, but we've got incomplete data on that. We don't know the conversation that's gone on between Strachan, Ange and uh, Kobe Ash himself. It might have been along the lines of, right, great, here's the things you did well, because we know they all you get taken away to analyse their games post-match. And it might have been, here's the things we're going to work on. So what we're going to do is have two weeks of working quite intensely on that training, blah, 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 and then get you back in for Hibs, Aberdeen, whatever it may be. It might not be the the huge shun that it looks like. It might be. If it is, I think it, I agree, it's, it's poor. What's the whole thing if it walks like a duck, sounds like a duck, all this nah, kind of stuff? You're, you're, you're filling in too many gaps with what you think it is and you don't know, is my point. I think we know enough to think that it's based on Ibrox, don't you think? Well, it might have been that Ange wanted to see if Iwata could perform in a you know flexible defensive role between defence and midfield, which you know, obviously the team just didn't perform well enough to be able to see that. So Ange has got a short window of analysing a lot of different things and Ibrooks was one for Kobayashi. Maybe he'd already pre-planned Saturday for Iwata playing defence. We don't know is my point. I think you'd been very kind to Ange. You scared of Ange? T- terrified? Yeah. I think I think the lads settle it down. I think it is what it looks like. We'll move on for Kobayashi. Um Bernabe. Um Matthew, I think you're done with the left back experiment. James, you're the same, and I think Paddy's the same. I was talking to Paddy Weed on the pre match before the weekend's game, and Bernabe doesn't quite fit the profile of Angie's other signings. You know, he's brought in these guys at between one and two million from different parts of Asia, various other signings at low cost who have slotted perfectly into where they should be. You know, you can look at all the examples across the board. We've then spent three and a half million on Bernabe, and part of that seems to be on his potential. You know, he was 20 years of age, he's now 21, something like that. So we've spent three and a half million there on a guy who right now, based on the data that we do have available to us, doesn't seem like a left back at all, but it seems Ange hasn't got many signings wrong. This looks like the, the wrongest of them all. Yeah, but I guess all right, you know. Um, you're going to, you know, Alex Ferguson, Alex Ferguson says if I get one and two right, I'm delighted. And what's Ange sitting at? you know, like 9 out of 10, you know, that 90% hit rate. So perfectly relaxed that you're going to get some wrong. It's what you then do with that. You know, is there a role for him at the club on the wing? Maybe, maybe not. 
is it better just to call it, call it quits and, and let them move on? You know, left wing's pretty congested as it is. And obviously, Mickey Johnson's coming back. True that. Um, so, <laughs> no defensive instincts is, is my thing. I think there's a, some, some poor scouting going on there. I think someone's got that one wrong. It's the same scouts, though, that have got them so right in the last couple of years, which is just what makes it a wee bit puzzling. Well, it's James says you've got to get some wrong. It's just. I won't accept that. You just need, just need <laughs> to deal with it and move on. I think the, the thing for me is, is, is not to continually you know, just keep making the same mistake. When I've seen them in, in pressure games, the most notable one being Tynecastle. Uh, when would that have been? The, was that, no, it wasn't the VAR game. It was the Tynecastle game. I don't know, one of the Tynecastle games. It was the VAR game, because yeah. Taylor came off the bench. And that scored, was October, I think. October. He just, he, you know, under pressure, he just he gave roasted. the ball away so many times and lacked the positional sense. But at that time, you're saying, right, okay, fair enough. That's in October. He's maybe just not settled in as much as he would have liked. Um, you know, made a notable contribution against St. Johnson to get as a last minute winner. And you hope that he kicks on for that. But he's been starved of game time. So that's in his favour in the sense that it's probably a run of games that he needs. Mm-hmm. But the body of evidence that has been built up to this point would suggest that he just is not a left back, in my opinion. So keep banging your head against that particular brick wall. I think you know the outcome. Yeah. It is noble that the best thing we've seen from him has been an attacking sense, his goal against Ross County, which was a brilliant strike. Great goal, and he's shown some great feet moving forward. Defensive instinct, though, seems to be lacking. Yeah, so that's the big thing. We'll need to watch that space. You mentioned Mikey Johnson, James, not me, so we'll keep it going. I, I just thought I'd get in there first because it was inevitable. <laughs> as you've brought him up, there was a Twitter poll doing the rounds last night, and it was basically. Did you, did you start it and all oh, your burner accounts <laughs> voting on it? I did not. Mikey Johnson v. Haxabanovich, who are you having? Vistory option C at the moment. Like one of the two, though, who are you going for? Neither. <laughs> That's not how it works. That's how it works. A or B? What I need to put, I've got no choice and play one as right. Axabanovich then. Okay, who are you having, Muff? Right, okay, you know my answer. We'll move on. <laughs> uh, as we know, the cup final is now less than two weeks away. It's the 3rd of June, but Ange isn't in my mind to let the players think about that just yet. When asked about that after the game, he said, If you're thinking about the cup final now, that's a problem. Because when you start thinking too far ahead, you miss what's happening now. We can't have players thinking about performing on that day. Perform today, perform next week, and then focus on the final. James, he's not going to panic over a couple of poor performances given the high standards that they've set through the campaign. But he will be looking for a big reaction this week in the game. So as we know, Hibs on Wednesday, Aberdeen on Saturday. He'll be looking to turn that around, won't he? Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting you spoke about, you know, playing for the present game and not thinking too far ahead. You've got probably one of the more positive performances from Saturday was Jota. I thought he was decent and you're trying at least. And Jota's got this kind of Zen guru thing going on where he's like, he gets gets asked questions about, you know, ambitions for this or that club or, you know, next year or five years. And he's like, I live right where I am right now. He just wants to enjoy the day, enjoy the game. And that's the guy to follow for Wednesday and for Saturday coming. Enjoy enjoy the brazen. Just... (laughs) Enjoy the game, enjoy the brazen. That's what, what a catchphrase. Um, Muff, we know that Angie's got a ruthless side about him, so you can ask Georges Giacomakis and Juranovic about that, and maybe even Kobayashi and Bernabe that we've mentioned just there. But there's players at the club at the moment who, they're not just playing for a place in the cup final. I don't think it's too dramatic to say they're at a bit of a crossroads here, maybe in their early Celtic careers. There's a fair bit of pressure on a couple of the guys we've mentioned, and maybe some others. Yeah, but that's life at club at Celtic you know I, I don't think you'll, you'll ever be, we want there to be a culture where you don't rest in your laurels and you can't take it for granted that you're going to be in the starting lineup every week I'd have to take issue with the uh, summation of Jota's performance on, on Saturday I didn't Not think happy. it was great at all wasn't he having it wasn't he having I it I thought it was one of the better no, I, thought, I thought the two wide men were really poor um, 
Again, effort was there as, as, well. as it always yeah. is, but just really poor in quality. Um, but the the culture of just the, the whole ethos of the club is that you, you need to be at a certain level to be playing for Celtic. And again, I'll go back to that point: is these players have danced every dance. So you know, Jota having a bad game on Saturday, Maeda having a bad game on Saturday. So what? You know, the two of them still worked really, really hard. Just wasn't quite coming off for them. But I, again, I think the whole the whole function of the team was affected just by the changes that were made and for whatever reason the patterns of play just couldn't get established. But even even at that, Wilson Murn did have chances. It wouldn't have flattered Celtic to have won the game based on the way that they really pressed for a winner in the last 15 minutes. Yeah, maybe so. Um, just in terms of the playing personnel though, obviously it's very early in their Celtic careers, but James, you would get the, the idea that it's a very important pre-season for some of the new guys. So Bernabe Kobayashi we've mentioned, Iwata O, you know, just in the door, don't get me wrong, but they've had... Max starts in different ways to life at Celtic and it's going to be such an important summer. Listen, you often say judge a player properly when he's had a full pre-season and, and then you can get a good look at him. I've heard kind of some noise and examples recently and rightfully so about guys like Paul Elliott who by all accounts very average in season one, superstar in season two. That can happen in football and some guys take time to find their feet but it is going to be a crucial phase for some of these guys in terms of their Celtic development. Yeah, I, I think there's a... There's a lens to look at when you go Jota, Carter, Vickers, Hatati, Johnson, you know, straight out the bat, no problem at all. You know, real superstar players. And the guys who aren't quite those guys are judged on the same ticket. And that, that is harsh. Um, I think really what's going to happen in the summer is we've got 12 guys out on loan. We've got peripheral players in the squad, irrespective of the guys you're mentioning there. I think they're all going to go, bar maybe one, two, three on loan, Mikey Johnson, obviously. Um, and I think the guys who are currently second string will be pushed out a wee bit and there'll be development required because you have to have, we, we, we did an episode earlier in the season about you know we're too quick to judge players we can't have these guys on the bench absolutely if they're not performing but they need to fill that berth in the squad where guys are out on loan guys aren't you know they, they can't be sitting on the bench to come in if they're not good enough for first team they're not good enough for the bench because you can be required so the development happens kind of outside the team and they get brought back in on a development plan and we sign guys to bolster the squad whilst they're not up to speed yet. We, we can't gamble with them at the moment because you're out of Europe and will not have anything this season that doesn't have a really strong performance in the Champions League. He's been thinking about it his whole life. He's not going to take any chances. I think so. This is the, the level he wants to compete at and he's not got any sentiment won't come into his decision. I think we will see quite a lot of trimming of the squad. There, you know, the, He's been asked about guys like you know, Liam Scales, who's obviously quite visible at Aberdeen, but there's a, a bundle of guys out on loan, Jeez Barkas and Ayeti, and I, I don't know how the various guys are doing, but there's some work to be done there to trim that down and try and move these guys on for the for everyone's good, you know, for the sake of the club, for the sake of the players. Miff, I think it was either when we recorded or maybe just after we put the mics off last night, you mentioned a guy like David Turnbull, and I would say it sadly, I, I, I'm a huge fan I think you've got a lot of support from as well looks like that one's not going to work out does it? No I, I think if he's not featuring just now then he's not going to feature at all you know his lack of minutes has been very notable um, it's a shame because I think he's a really really talented player but for whatever reason manager just doesn't seem to fancy him uh, and it's a shame because that, that knee injury just seems to really have caught up with him so far maybe he'll be revitalised by, by a move elsewhere but I, I would still like to think I would hope possibly based on the fact that the performance wasn't great and Saturday might get a wee shout no, Wednesday. I, yeah. I, I, would, I would like to think that and then stake his claim for a place in the cup final team. But um, yeah, listen, it's really hard to judge players when they're not getting minutes. You, I, I, 
James is right to mention there's been some exceptional players that have come in and hit it off straight away. There's others who have been dropped in a game at a time, you know, not really getting a run of games. And Bernabe would be one of them as well, if we're being completely fair. He's, I don't think he's ever had a proper run in the team. So you're then judging them on the fact that they've been dropped in for one, two games in a row, back out again. That's hard. You know, that any level of football, that's hard when you think you're just getting in to come back out. So it's got to be a massive pre-season. Massive pre-season. And I think, you know, you're probably be looking at six or seven out, six or seven in. That could be real interesting. Just lots of moving, shaking and here, there and everywhere. I agree with that. Um, getting back to the here and now, James. So I mentioned it last week and I, I'm asking the same question again, but... These players who have set such high standards and reached such levels and, and wrapped up a title in some style, they'll be feeling the the you know the sting of the criticism that they've had after Ibrox and now after a fairly shabby performance against St Martin. How do you think they'll respond to the next two games? It was good to see Callum McGregor a bit frustrated in his interview, but he's part of the the issue as well. You know, he has maybe dropped below his own standards, and you'd want him and others to take it with the scruff of the neck, starting Easter Road. Yeah, we, you know, Callum McGregor's a manager within the team. You know, as, as captain there, so any player who thought they were going to be able to coast out, you know, Wednesday and Saturday, and then turn up at Hamden for the cup final, McGregor will be all over them all week to say that was just unacceptable, and we need to get right back on it here. So no one's going to be missed on this, McGregor included. And you know, I think McGregor is mature enough uh, and self-reflective enough to see that he'll be able to fix himself within himself and then pass the message on to the rest. But it'll be. No, it wouldn't be the, the most comfy place, I would say, Lennoxton today. Mm. What are you doing Wednesday, Miff, if you're Ange? Because you've then got three games ahead of you. You've got Hibs on Wednesday, Aberdeen Saturday, Inverness the following Saturday. Would it be mad to give some of your top players, your, your cup final starters, all three of those games? Or does he need to be clever about how he uses I, them? I, I would say he has to be clever, but, but ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm happy to roll with whatever Ange sees fit. I, I wasn't a fan of Iwata starting on Saturday, but I can see why he did it. You know, it's not like these things are happening without any logic. He's obviously wanted to try something. What can now's, I find out? Now's the time to try it. You know, against a physical presence like Maine, a lot of just didn't look like he wanted to know what was going on. And behind him, you know, straight... I, I, I've never seen so many straight long balls cause his problems in all the years I've been watching Celtic at Celtic Park. It was just one of those days a ball getting banged 60 yards straight down the park was causing his massive, massive issues. It's never been a problem before. Why is that? Personnel's changed. Right, move on. It's that simple to me. The players that come in, I think now would be the time to create a wee bit of freshness. Change a few things up, absolutely. I think it makes sense to play, you know, play O instead of Kyogo, absolutely. I'm fine, fine with that. Play Haksabanovic for the start, play Turnbull for the start. I, I, I think all fans would see that, right, I can see what's happening here. We, you know, we don't need to win the game. It's of no consequence if we, if we lose the game. Why not give these guys minutes? Play Ben Summers, play Rocco Vata. That, I'm, I'm all for it. All for it. Including Aberdeen, Saturday? Aye. aye you, you wouldn't want to be more, you know, a kind of pre-match for the, the cup final? I, I just think it depends. I mean, I, I, by the same token, you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. If you remember the uproar when Kyogo got brought back and, and injured last season, you know, you'd think that the managers maybe learned lessons for the, for the past there so I, I think you just need to be careful you need mm. to be careful I think with Hitati Hitati's coming back for injury so I think Needs he wants games. minutes into yeah. Hitati so I think he'll play um, with the rest McGregor just plays full stop you know that's that, that's that's what happens but with others I think it's just all up for grabs um, you know you could you could argue that someone like Taylor's to be protected as well albeit that I think he's not been quite at 
the level he should be past few games but somebody like Taylor who's so pivotal the way we play he should be getting protected as well yeah we've been doing pre-match podcast James throughout the whole season you know covering every game and there was a real phase in the middle section of the season where the team just picked itself we would obviously speculate and talk about he might come in he might not but by and large you knew you knew at least nine maybe ten of the starters there was often maybe a wee debate over a winger or something like that and a lot of that stemmed from what I've always referenced to as the back five being Joe Hart and his regular four and certainly since Alistair Johnson came in, that was all the more settled. It was always Johnson, Carter Vickers, Starfelt and Taylor. Midfield was McGregor, Hattati and mostly O'Reilly, sometimes Moy. And your front three, your preferred front three was Maeda, Jota and Kyogo. Since Carter Vickers got injured, that's, that's derailed things maybe more dramatically than we, we realised. You'd have been able to pick the cup final team a few weeks ago. You can't quite pick it now, James. And I think, I think it's a defence where Angie's going to have a headache as they particularly has centre half pairing now. Yeah, but that's what happens when you lose some of the quality of Carter Vickers. And the gamble was um, he could probably, with you know the right physio treatment, have got you know, through to that cup final and played it. But you would then lose him for the, the start of the season and potentially Champions League. And that was more important. So it's good that they're looking you know, beyond the short term. But yeah, it's just, you can't take a guy of that quality of your team and not have disruption. And that disruption just seemed to have tumbled on to, to other areas because when Carter Vickers isn't there to save things, the say there's a p- poor defensive performance from the midfield and the attack, Carter Vick, Vickers there mops it up. But when he's not there and they're, they're not performing the attack in the midfield in terms of defensive qualities, then it's coming straight through. It's like say straight balls coming, coming right through. So um, it, it's one player, but you've got to add Johnson in that as well. You know, an absolute terror. Yeah. Also, we've not enough time to debate it just now. I think we've missed Aaron Moy, or at least post-World Cup Aaron Moy. Aye, that guy. Th- th- that guy, Aye. yeah. Not, not the current guy. That Aye. one. We've missed his creativity, or, or somebody's creativity. You know, with Hatai having his niggles, Moy clearly having the same. We've missed that myth again. We spoke about, we need a creative, we need a, a forward-thinking 10, number 10 type player. It's all side-to-side, pass-pass. Yep. Nobody's doing anything maverick. I, I had said, just about bit of not not kind of development of the player that I thought he was going to be and I don't mean that in terms of a lack of ability he's clearly a very talented lad and he works incredibly hard but he seems to have become more of a grafter than a creator which I'm really really surprised at Mm. I thought he was going to be your number 10 for me he's doing his best work off the ball for us at the minute in terms of retrieving the ball winning the ball back when I thought he was going to be the guy picking up those kind of cute wee positions between the lines feeding balls into Kyogo it's not really been like that in the past say six months yeah agreed I think that's maybe the player that Matt O'Reilly was I think that's a player we signed and his game's just changed developed, we've, evolved. we've changed that that's by yeah. your design by Ange's design I think good maybe, or bad maybe Ange sees that's what he's best at and now he realises I need another O'Reilly Aye. so as I've said a few times now summer's going to be fascinating the, the, the profile of players we bring in it will tell us a lot about Ange's way of thinking but in the here and now he's got some big calls to make ahead of this week first of all so hopefully he and the players can get back on track ahead of that big trip to Hamden next month Okay, let's move on to this week's mystery sell and we'll start with a quick reminder of last week's for anyone who missed it Clue number one my first medal with Celtic was a runners-up one in the Scottish Cup before I then went on to win the league and the Scottish Cup during my time at the club Clue number two, I scored two goals in 90 appearances for the club over a six-year period. And clue number three, since my playing career ended, I've managed at several clubs, including at one currently in the Scottish Premiership. The answer, of course, Smith, was... One foot, Willie. (laughs) It was Willie McStay. (laughs) And I was going to ask if you'd got this one. Obviously, you weren't here last week. It was myself, James and Paddy. But then I remembered you sent 
various guesses into the two. WhatsApp group. I sent two in. I sent two in. We'll say various, numerous guesses. Two. Uh, I sent two. Both of which were wrong, put it that way. James can, James can confirm us. Was it Malcolm McKay and John Hughes? John Hughes and Malcolm McKay, yeah. um, But Then one fat your thoughts on Willie McStay, who, of course, is the older brother of Paul, as well as Raymond, who was also on Celtic's books? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he was always just seen as that lesser light to Paul, to, to be quite frank. He, he, he seemed destined for a more notable coaching career for a time at Celtic because he'd taken the reserves and they'd, they'd done really, really well. A time when I think Celtic reserves were probably, <laughs> you know, well, no, maybe about after that. Was it under a new that he was, he was so, taking yeah. the reserves? I think it was. Early 2000s. Um, aye, so... No, I mean, well, I, I remember him. Um, was was by no means a, a regular uh, for the for the first team, but with that famous last name, he was always more more than welcome. But I, I'd probably be more familiar with his coaching career. I think he went to Sligo um, and was pretty successful over there. What um, what Premier League team was it? Managed Ross County. Was it Ross County? Aye, I was three months, sure. I think. I was I wasn't sure, but but. Yeah. But well, that was, I think, that was the one that thrown me. But um, I've had to make them tricky if I'm under the cosh. No, so. I, I know, I know your son. I know you're, and I'm very much looking forward to what comes next. <laughs> um, just a fact file on Willie McStay, and you, you say, Math uh, about being a lesser like to Paul McStay. Everybody's a lesser like to Paul McStay. Very true. So, um, so Willie McStay made his Celtic debut in April 1983 and was with the club then for four full seasons before moving on in 1987. He and Paul both famously scored in a three 0 win over Rangers in April 1984. And as you've said, Math, when his playing career ended, he moved into coaching at clubs like Sligo, where I think he had notable success, Ujpest over in Hungary, quite a unique move, and Ross County. He also held various roles throughout the Celtic Academy. James, have you got a, a nugget of Willamette State chat for us, personally? Myself and our uh, next door neighbour, Phil Collins, no less. <laughs> you know, Phil Collins. <laughs> so he used to work as... Right, be professional. Um, <laughs> Sat so outside his house for about four hours waiting for a, an autograph one time, and he turned up and he's... White Escort XR3i. Oh, <laughs> And signed up no bother, eh? Oh, there you yeah. go. Is your first autograph or something? I think it was first, first ever silly autograph. about oh, seven or eight years old or something. Oh, yeah. Lovely. A beautiful tale. Okay, let's move on to this week's Mystery Cell. For anyone joining in at home, jump to our Twitter page at Celt Exchange right now. And if you guess the correct answer, you'll be given access to 14 days free of the Celtic Exchange Plus. I, I need to say I've struggled the night not to burst into song out of between human nature. I've got to get a bit of... Jacko and then against the odds, I fit the really bite my tongue in it. Don't fight it if you want oh, to sing. No, you sing. no, 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 no. Okay, clue number one. The score, by the way, just to keep you posted, is 11 8. So closing in on oh, you. There you go. But a win tonight kills it. It was. He's at it. I'm going to. Clue number one. He's at it. It's 11 8. Clue number one. I scored on my Celtic debut a 3 1 win over Hearts. That's got you Sinclair. It's not Sinclair. It was a 2 1 win over Hearts. Uh, clue number two I've got over 100 caps for my country. He loves a cap, he loves a cap reference. It just that's a total that that's no clue. I know it's, it's not like, even a clue. I've, yeah, it's some nonsense. It's a clue if you know football. Oh, nonsense. And clue number three I joined Celtic from a club in the Bundesliga. So, as always, you lads have got until I read out this short update to provide your final answer. So, while the lads are guessing the wrong answer to this week's Mystery Cell, a quick reminder from me on what's coming up this week over at the Celtic Exchange Plus. It's a busy one with our last two league games of the campaign taking place and so we'll have the match preview for the Hibs game on Tuesday before the match reaction shortly after the whistle on Wednesday night. 
Then at the weekend it's Trophy Day and we'll have the preview for that one on Friday and again we'll return shortly after the final whistle with all the reaction as Ange and the boys lift the trophy for a second successive season. If you want to enjoy all of these additional podcasts from us absolutely free then just visit our website at thecelticexchange.com where you'll see the links to start your seven day free trial. It takes less than two minutes to get going and as well as this week's Match Action podcasts you can also enjoy our full back catalogue of additional episodes. So if you enjoy what we do and want to hear a wee bit more from us every week, then jump over to theCelticExchange.com now. Who's providing the answer, James? Is it you? Feeling confident? Muff's going to get this one. Muff, uh, yeah, Aye. wrong answer, please. Just to, just to give me... Aye, can just, you recap them? Aye, because that, that, to be fair, I think you'll admit yourself, this is sparse. It's this vague, is very, very vague. sparse. Very sparse. Clue number one. I scored in my Celtic debut, a 3-1 win over Hearts. Clue number two, I've got over 100 caps for my country, 110 to be exact. And clue number three, I joined Celtic from a club in the Bundesliga. Ramon Vega. It's not, I'll give you a bite at it. Some guys don't perform well under pressure and use or two of them. Paul it's 11-9. Remember, if you think you know the answer, unlike Miff and James to this week's Mystery Cell and want to enjoy 14 days free of the Celtic Exchange Plus, then simply reply to our pinned tweet at Celtic Exchange using the hashtag Mystery Cell. Time for this week in Celtic Media, where each week we dig out something of interest from the world of Celtic Online. This week, as Ange and the players get ready to lift the league trophy for a second successive season, James takes us back to where it all began. James, what have you got? Yes. It, it, it's quite a good one. It was actually picked up by your good self, but it's a good one to reflect on when there is a wee bit of, oh, you know, frustration in the fans and stuff. It's good to take a wee look back and see where we've come from. Uh, it's just a piece from Celtic and it's behind the scenes Ange Postacoglu's first three days at Celtic and when you see that and you go we've had a pretty nice couple of years was it 10th of June will be the, the two year anniversary if you like that's oh. when it was announced so, there you are oh anniversary yeah. I, like I like that um, but 10th of June 2021 he was confirmed yeah so and it's it's the uh, Dermot Desmond private jet jetting in and all that stuff Covid still a big thing everything's masked up including one Tino Di Calio down in the uh, press conference. Yeah. If you look very carefully at the footage, Muff, you can just about see my right leg. and it's <laughs> I mean, what a leg it is, don't get oh, me wrong, yeah. but it's, uh, yeah, yeah. it's So I was there on the as part of the fan media conference the day that he was in doing his thing with, with Dom Mackay. Well, that was my first bullet point. Remember Dom Mackay? Remember Dom? But James, there's some nice wee snippets in general, isn't there? It's only about five or six minutes long, but it shows what looks, for example, to be his his very first meetings with guys like John Kennedy and Tony Ralston. <laughs> he's, he's bumping fists with the guys. and So he's coming into the canteen and... Uh, Strachan sees him Kennedy doesn't Kennedy's having his soup just mind his business it's got I think what stands out to me around all that is Celtic really knew they were onto something aye aye you can they see really it really knew they were onto something yeah. if they had the, the confidence that they'd got the right man you wouldn't really got all of this I don't so, think so Anne said I've got a clear idea of how I play football how my teams have always played football I know how Celtic have always played football in their history maybe that's why I'm here but you wouldn't have picked up at the time, you know? I think the quotes from it are really good because, yeah, you'd have watched that. You'd get caught up in all the new manager excitement. Now, with the benefit of hindsight, you could watch it back yep. and you go, that's exactly what he's done. You know, he's ticked a lot of those boxes. Any other wee snippets, James? Any other nice wee moments through it? Just, you know, I was just saying no fear of any opponent. And I think this is really, really important this summer. It's, I'm, I'm really, really excited as to, you know, the work that's going to be done this summer. It will really tell, it'll tell us not only, we know what Angie's ambition is, it'll tell us where the board is. The board have consistently over the years dropped off after a couple of seasons of success in terms of backing managers Rogers, O'Neill, 
Lennon, these kind of things. It's really important the, the board back. But I think the relationship's there. And this is a long-term plan. This summer has been in the planning since January at least. So it's really interesting. I'm just saying we don't fear any opponent. And this summer will let them really you know, embody that in the Champions League. The, the bit that gives me the most hope around that is how annoyed he was after the Madrid game. Yeah. He was proper annoyed because he knew. Yeah. He knew we had chances. The game was in our favour. And... It was just a bit of naivety that, that you know, kind of undone us in the end. But that's what excites me most about this summer is that I, I do get a genuine feeling that this is going to be the culmination and finally us cashing in at a point where we're dominant mm -hmm. so many times of taking the cheap option and cheaped out mm -hmm. at this exact point. So it's on the board now. You'll know, you'll know what Angie's went with in terms of his plan. He'll be wanting to ramp it up again. Absolutely no way he'll be wanting to stand still. And and that's what excites me the most. I'm thinking, you know, they really, 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 really need to back him further at I, this I th point. I think you're both absolutely correct in terms of how Celtic historically have operated. O'Neill got backed initially, Rodgers gets backed initially, and so on. Less so Gordon Strachan, that was a downsizing time. But now Angie said, listen, this is what I do. You can see what I do with the resources you've given me so far. There's the end product, there's the result, there's the all going well, five trophies out of six. Now to take it to the next level, where are we at? And I think maybe it was yourself, James, that said, now we need to see the eight, nine, ten million pound signing. Not the guy that's maybe going to do something or come in with some potential. Maybe it's a proven quality striker or someone that at least we can earmark as somebody who can do it at a Champions League level. Maybe it's a similar, you know, centre half to that. Maybe it's another goalie, who knows? But they need to start backing him. You know, in a different way now and, and showing them that support they've, they have shown them they've shown them great support so far now everybody needs to move up a level uh, at the same time I think the big difference and this is in Angie's favour is that for Rodgers and O'Neill they front loaded it you know there was a lot of money put up to the, those guys because they, it was needed Angie's pretty much net zero season one he's maybe like you know plus six or seven I think it is in the, in the two seasons you know in the two big transfer windows in the summer so it's not like we're now in a financial position where we go, look, we've spent all the dough, we've got the dough. I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, we'll come to this episode in a few weeks' time, I suppose, where we go, you know, who stays, who goes and stuff. There'll be guys we really want to stay who will go and Angela Veer marked them as, yeah, you know, I'd love to keep them, but we know there's interest at 15, 20 million and he'll take two or three of those and that'll allow you to go and sign that 10 million pound striker and, you know, make all the, the changes that he knows from that Madrid game that he's went, if I had a guy at that level, we'd have won that game. I think, unfortunately for us, I think the most obvious one, and he's a guy who was excellent in that Madrid game, is a tie. That to, absolutely to kills me to say that. Yep. To go. I think yeah, I, th I think there's a few like that. I think he's the most saleable asset in the basis that I, I just think the guy is, I mean, there's he has got the potential to be an absolute out-and-out out superstar. Lots of rumblings about that, and we're not we're not trying to get them sold. No, 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 but no. We've got to be real about it. And there's so many saleable assets. You no. go right through the team. Just in my head, bad as a constant um, rumour, isn't it, in terms of him potentially looking to move further on, or at least the fact that he's not signed a new he's deal. He's on Saturday. The difference when he comes on. Uh, I mean, but you know what he's got. That's the thing, yeah. but maybe he's not quite at himself. Definitely thought that on Saturday. Yeah. Thought he, just, he just created a bit of chaos by just running at people. Yeah. And he dragged defenders out, out of position. I thought I thought it was really impactful. Yeah. Really. Yeah. But whether it's a Bada, Hatati, Matthew, you've spoken about Riley, lots of big assets there who could go for ballpark 15 million and more and that allows Ange a pot to then say okay let's go and work with that J just on a really I'd love to see him stay another season and just d kick on again I'd really, especially if Atati goes I'd really like really to then 
you know, kind of be that be that player that I thought I really thought he was going to be. Yeah, Miff, you're a, an eternal optimist. Sometimes, um, did you ever imagine in June of 2021 that we'd be seeing what we've seen since under Ange Postecoglou? Well, no, I didn't. Um, the reason for that being that I thought that the road back was going to be a hell of a lot longer. Um, I think we've also been helped and aided by the fact that our rivals have made some fairly baffling decisions through that time, or they've they've just simply not kicked on. Let's be honest about it. That's what they, they were in a position of strength of, of not kicked on. I think they, they have their own issues. Um, Short term around finances. I don't think that's a secret anymore. I don't. I don't think him just to dance around that. So what that allows us to do is because we've got the structure and we've got the finances in place, like James rightly mentions, it's not like Andrew's come in and spent an absolute wad of cash and, and, and trying to rebuild something. He's he's done it within a fairly tight budget. The hope would be that some of the bigger earners that come in in the COVID season can now be cast away, the likes of Ajete and and Barcastle. I did see something funny on Twitter that a uh, Ajeti's won the war with um, Ivan Tony being banned. <laughs> um, I was I was absolutely killing myself. I need to won the war. Played the long game. Um, I played the long game and it outlasted them. So, um, but no, a really really interesting summer coming up. But let's just concentrate firstly on the squad, seeing it through, getting the job done, and and then see where we go for there. Yeah, James. Just finally on this section of Ange, what next? So I think he's got plenty of targets uh, and objectives at Celtic in general that he still wants to achieve you, you've mentioned frequently that once Sanj becomes bored or feels there's no challenge then he'll move on that's not the case and hopefully will remain not the case for some time um, but I'm pretty excited for the summer recruitment and what that brings as well as another crack at the Champions League and this is where Ange is isn't it Europe is a, a real dream for him he's spoken about it frequently I've, I've mentioned before he talks about him and his dad used to get up at crazy in the morning to watch Liverpool and all that kind of stuff this is a dream for him and it's going to be really exciting as to how he addresses it and challenges it this summer yeah and it shows you the the laziness amongst the Scottish media and beyond when they go Ange for Spurs and you go do you think he's going to walk in an absolute basket case and I speak as a Spurs sympathiser if that's as strong as I would get on that but there's a shambles just now easy what? easy there are shambles just now. His mate support Spurs. Loads, oh, loads of oh, mate support. Floydy. Um, I want you off. There are shambles and they're not in Europe and they're not going to be in the Champions League anytime soon. Angie's got it on his doorstep right now in his hand. And that goes for players as well, both keeping and attracting. That's the really exciting thing. You know, the Champions League is where all players want to play. If you want to get the exposure, if you want to you know, start playing for your country, play well in the Champions League for Ange, for the players that we can attract and players that we can, we can retain. I think it's just, again, a really, really exciting time. I can't wait. Hopefully we can get the, the fifth of the six trophies and we can just go into the summer and really, really enjoy the, the work behind the scenes. You forgot to mention it, Kane's away as well. Do you think so? I, I think, think so. so. Yeah, he's got, if why he's got any ambition, Why he's got the to hell go. would you hang about there? Can you yeah. get, get less? Anyway, we'll move on. But yeah, it's a, it's a great wee video. It's behind the scenes. Ange Postacoglu's first three days. And as I mentioned, with... Everything we know now, the two years or so of Ange, it's really interesting to look back and, and look at his comments from the time. So good watch. And as always, we'll link to this one in the show notes for the episode. A couple of wee bits and bobs before we wrap things up. James, you mentioned the, the women's team and rightfully so, you know, a day of drama there on Sunday, record crowd and, and very unfortunate to lose out uh, to Glasgow City for the title. They do, however, have a Scottish Cup final to look forward to on Sunday coming at Hamden. You can find details on tickets, etc. at the Celtic website, so best of luck to the women there. You were also at a night with Bruni and various other special oh, guests. Any that. snippets from that? Any good wee stories? Uh, 
talking to Kush at your game on Saturday night there, Charlie Mulgrew's a conflicting character because he left us in the lurch and he done the dirty on Ronnie, didn't he? But he's an entertaining guy. He, he can tell a story. <laughs> and he was telling a story about, I think they'd been out boozing or something, Celtic away in, in Australia or wherever they were. I think it was Australia. It must have been Australia. Because they've got up in the morning, they're playing golf and uh, Charlie Mulgrew's sitting shot and he turns around and uh, Bruni's fighting a kangaroo. <laughs> I've seen the clips. <laughs> so if you jump onto YouTube and, and look for uh, Bruni and... Bruni fights Mika. kangaroo. Bruni fights kangaroo. Uh, so that was one of the highlights. Strachan coming on. I mean, I know Strachan splits people. You know, Celtic fans, I really like him. He picked us up at a really, really difficult time. And the Tommy Burns element to it all. And he, he's quite open that, you know, he wasn't a fan. And then you come into Celtic and Tommy Burns is there. And all of a sudden you are. So that, that was great. Great to see Mika. Simunovic came on the stage, right? Mm-hmm. He wasn't part of the, the plan. He was in the crowd. Bought his own ticket. Aye. Interesting. Went, up you get. I don't know if he's yeah. got a club these days. He's not. So he's he's, he's uh, you need like like training to be a lecturer or something something like that. Aye. We'll get him on the show, man. He sounds available. He's, he's twenty eight. Get him in. Get him training again. Would be, yeah. be a good fifth centre after. No, it's just his knees, isn't it? Yeah, but knee, an interesting. Like it, it, it seemed that every other day Celtic were saying, and this guy's appearing. It was that. It was uh, Sean Rooney. Was he part of the whole thing? The guy that he's taking to Fleetwood. Was it Sean Rooney or was it maybe Johnny Hayes? No, Sean Rooney. So Bruni signed him for Fleetwood. Aye, he's got, aye. he's got them. Any various guys. Kush that you mentioned hasn't forgiven Charlie McGrew because he walked off. Remember aye. that European game? Yep. He oh, hammy. Claimed it was a hammy. I, I never bought it at the time. I'm not no. buying it now. But doesn't mean the guy can't tell a funny story. So Make fair it. enough. All that aside, um, you'll have seen yesterday, Sunday, twenty first of May, it was twenty years exactly, Miff, since that final in two thousand and three. We've had some good stories from you in the past and your memories of flights getting cancelled and all sorts of stuff we'll maybe do a recap on that but amazing to think that it was 20 years today to the day to the UEFA Cup final in 2003 James it's almost been lost in all the chat from the weekend that Celtic eclipsed the goals record of 106 scored by Brendan Rodgers 2016-17 side and we'll have opportunities of course to stretch that further in the two games that we've got this week your thoughts on that and your final thoughts for the week please yeah it's another wee achievement you know I know Miff you don't care you just just rather win by one goal and all that stuff but I think it shows (laughs) You just, it shows well, the sweet environment. Just pam me up, or you'd rather just win. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I don't that's a, care. That's a quote oh, from the post-match wait. podcast. I said I don't care about goals totals, as in or whether we get ten more or ten less. That's you and Paddy's preserve. You's battering. I think it's good. It, it shows ambition. Thank you, man. Yes, I've, I've, I've known my dad and roasting in here, man. I just, well. I, 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 yeah. aye. So, aye, you docked my flow there, man. Sorry, mate. But aye, it's, it's great for the team to be. You're just playing well and scoring goals even though you're flinging two in at the back on Saturday but we'll fix that on Wednesday yeah my f- final word goes to you for the week if you've got anything else to get off your chest then now's oh, the time no, not, nothing else nothing else um, just I keeps on rolling on bring on the final can I get there quick enough I don't think good stuff so that wraps things up on the latest episode of the Celtic Exchange Weekly thanks to James and Miff for joining me today and as always our thanks to you for listening remember to send your mystery Celtic to us on Twitter if you think you know this week's answer and beyond that don't forget to visit theCelticExchange.com where you can start your free 7 day trial and enjoy all the additional podcasts we'll be producing this week for subscribers but in the meantime for myself and the team thanks for tuning in and we'll see you again this time next week
Social Podcast Network.